Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. to doing presentations like this and the only reason why I'm doing it is because last Wednesday at the prayer meeting we had in the church in the early part for about half an hour I had the most amazing time of revelation from God he was just speaking continuously to me for about half an hour now I'm you know I'm I spend time every day of my life listening to his voice, but this was something unusual, something very special. And I know that God only gives me revelation in order that then I might communicate this revelation to others. That's not always easy when you have a time like that with the Lord. How can you replicate it? How can you reproduce it? But what I did subsequently was to write down the essence of what God was saying to me, and I'm going to share that with you this morning. So, if we can have the first. Do I press this to get the first one up? Ooh, hallelujah. This is power. <laughs> now, this represents what it says the darkness of the world and the light of the spacious place. Between, you see, there is an area. And I'll come and explain what that represents in a little while. What we first of all have to understand is that nothing of the world can take place in the spacious place. When we enter into the spacious place, we literally leave behind everything that is in the world. I'll show you how we have to do that in a, in, in a little while. Now, The first thing that the Lord said to me the other evening is the spacious place is the secret place. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your own room, shut the door, shut the world out. You don't take the world with you into the spacious place. This is the place for you to have communion, fellowship, unity with God. There's times to pray for the world, we'll come to all that later on. But we leave the world behind, just like Jesus said. Shut the door, pray to your Father in secret, and he who sees what you pray in secret will reward you openly. So, <clears throat> I think a lot of people, when they pray, they don't move into the secret place. Even if they're on their own in their room, they don't necessarily move 
into the spacious place. And this is what God has been teaching us to do recently. Now, the secret place, the spacious place, is the heavenly place of God's presence. You know, we can casually say God has exalted us into heavenly places, we're seated with him in heavenly places, but this is the place where we actually have fellowship with our heavenly Father. Now, I want to emphasize this is not experiencing his presence or trying to have feelings of his presence. This is always a matter of faith uh, that we know that we are leaving the world behind, entering into the secret place, entering into the spacious place in Christ Jesus, entering into the heavenly presence. Now, of course, you cannot take anything unholy, ungodly, unrighteous, any imperfection into the heavenly presence. So all that gets left behind, as we shall see. Now, if we look, we see that what we need is the mercy of God to therefore deal with all the negative things before we enter into the secret place, the spacious place, the heavenly place of his presence. Now, that requires two things. It requires what I've been teaching you about the first minute, that we acknowledge everything that Jesus has done for us on the cross, cleansing us, and so on. But it means also that we cast any burdens or concerns we have onto the Lord. I was taught when I was a young believer that you spend 30 seconds asking God to forgive you, because that's how long it takes him to forgive you, and 30 seconds casting all your burdens on the Lord. Because when you cast your burdens on the Lord, you literally hand over whatever is concerning you to him. So you do this before you enter into the spacious place, the secret place. You're unburdening yourself so that then you can be in the presence of God without any uncleanness, without any impurity, without any burdens that are weighing you down. Now, that sounds glib and easy, but actually, uh, uh, you know, it sounds too glib perhaps, but actually when you do it, it works. Then we understand, therefore, that in the spacious place, we have the fullness of the life of Christ. The scripture says, you have come to the fullness of life. And what we're doing is enjoying that fullness of life, really, availing ourselves of all the benefits of that fullness of life when we're in the spacious place. This is the place where everything is positive. There cannot be anything negative in this place, which is why we unburden ourselves of all the negatives before we enter in. The mistake that I think many Christians make is they try to get into the presence of the Lord, then when they're in the presence of the Lord, they spend all the time 
asking God to forgive them, asking him to deal with issues, talking about this, that, and the other, unburdening themselves. And listen to what Jesus says about the secret place. He says, uh, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in, in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And I think, you know, we can make the mistake of getting into the spacious place and babbling on. This is a place of fellowship with God. Uh, I'll show you what we're supposed to be doing in a little while. But here you are forgiven. You are made totally acceptable to God. You are blameless and innocent in his sight. You are made righteous and holy. God has actually given you the same glory that the Father gave him. You're in his glorious presence, and you are able to reflect and radiate his glory. Now, there's nothing negative in that. You see, we do not take that negativity into the spacious place. Now, let's look at the life of Jesus. He lived at one with the Father. He said, do you not realize that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So he lived in the Father and the Father lived in him. And Jesus made it clear that even though he was the word of God, the Father gave him the words to speak. When did the Father do this? Well, essentially, he would have received all the revelation he needed in the secret place. This is where he would have been able to see what the Father was doing and to get the Father's agenda for what was going on in his life and ministry. So we know that Jesus would retreat from the world into the spacious place. He would go off by himself, away from all the disciples, and he would simply spend time with his father. If he was busy, too busy if you like, because of the demands of the people during the day, he would sometimes spend all night in the spacious place, in the secret place with his father. He knew that whatever he did in the world was dependent upon his time in the spacious place. That even though he is son of God, he could not take anything on presumption. He could not assume that everything was, was going to be easy and so on. Uh, far from it, he recognized his complete dependence upon the Father and his, therefore his unity with the Father his fellowship with the Father. So then, Jesus would go out into the world. What did he experience in the world? Rejection, persecution, hatred, slander, false accusation, 
false condemnation. It was all those things that ultimately put him on the cross. That was his experience in the world. But none of those things can exist in the spacious place. None of them exist in the, in the secret place. None of them exist in, our heavenly, in the heavenly presence that we have with the Lord in our fellowship with him. We are completely removed from that. I had a time, <laughs> more than one time, but one particular time comes to mind when I was subjected to the most bitter and, and powerful rejection, persecution, hatred, slander, all those things. And the only thing that sort of kept me going in the situation in which I was is that I could go into the secret place, into the, the um, spacious place where I was completely free from all of that, where I could just have uh, the encouragement and the fellowship with God which meant that when I then had to go back into the situation, as I did every day for about a week, uh, I could not only survive but thrive simply by the mercy and the grace of God. Well, Jesus was living in that not just for one week as I was, but he was living in that all the time throughout his ministry. This was his experience of the world. But what he was doing was taking into the world, despite all its rejection, the life and the fellowship that he had with the Father in the spacious place. So he was, where are you? You can't see it very well, can you, that thing? But he was taking everything that he had there into the world. So in the face of all this opposition, he was speaking the words of God and actually doing the things that the Father showed him to do. Now, this is my experience of revival, of real revival. That you actually spend hours in the spacious place. And it's no it's no strain or struggle to do that because the, the sense of the Lord's presence is just so strong in your life. It's, it's easier to be in the spacious place than out of it, to be honest. But then you see, like Jesus, you take into the world all that you have in fellowship with God in the spacious place. This is something that God explained to me last, last Wednesday, that this is what was actually happening during those times of, of revival. That in revival, you, you experience all these things. You would think that in times of revival, every, everybody else would be happy and say, hey, we want a piece of the action. Well, some people are like that, but others are totally the opposite, even Christians. And you'll get all this stuff from Christians when you're in revival. Just like Jesus uh, got um, all those things from who? The world? No, mainly the religious people. It's the religious people that will always um, come against you when you're 
really in the moving. But you see, you take the presence, the power, the life, and the truth that you have without a fellowship with God in the spacious place into the world. Now, what that actually means in practice is you take his holiness, his glory, and this is why in ministry, when, when it comes to times of ministry in revival, God takes everything out of your hands by the Holy Spirit. And this is why you see such fruit. And, and you've heard me say before, the, the hundreds that you see coming to the Lord and, and, and all the wonderful miracles that happen, they are not the revival, they're the fruit of the revival. The revival is the way in which you encounter God, meet with God, are anointed by God, have the life and the power of God that then enables you to bear the fruit or God to produce the fruit through you uh, in the world. This is what leads to harvest. There's, there's no harvest without that, you know. God is taking us, isn't he, from addition into multiplication, from gleaning into harvest, from blessing into abundance. And uh, that's why we need such a move of the Spirit. So... Uh, God just explained to me that this really, when you're in revival, it's like a reflection of the ministry of Jesus. Obviously not at the same level as him, but the Spirit of God is, is he takes over. That's the only way you can say. He, he just takes over. So that's the place that we believe God wants to bring us into. So... What do we do? We spend hours abiding in his presence, worshiping him, just being with him. And I, I received a... You know, <laughs> this, this scripture, abide in me and I in you, I believe that was the climax of all the teaching Jesus gave to the disciples. He was building up to this point where he was saying at the Last Supper, I'll no longer be with you, but now you'll be in me, and I will be in you. I don't suppose they understood what he meant at the time when they'd received the Spirit after the crucifixion and resurrection. Then they probably would have understood or begun to understand. But <clears throat> this was the amazing revelation. Then Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide, remain in, rest in, tarry in my love. And then he said, you will tarry in my love if you obey my commands, just as I tarry in my Father's love by obeying his commands. And I'd always associated that with the, uh, with the command to love one another as he has loved us, because... That's the new command that Jesus gives uh, in, um, in establishing the new covenant. And then the father said to me, see, last week, said, no, no. The command is to abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me and I in you, if you abide in my love, if you obey that command, then you will be in me. in the spacious place, and I will be in you in the world. And that's why Paul says the secret is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
So it's understanding that we spend this time abiding in Christ, meeting with him, listening to him, receiving from him. I would say on average, I, I hadn't sort of bothered to work it out, but subsequent to what the Lord was saying last week, I would think on average I listen to the Lord about one and a half hours a day. That's my life. But that time abiding in him enables me to do whatever he calls me to do in the world. Jesus, you see, drew aside just to be with his Father, not to pray prayers. The essential thing is just to be in that place of fellowship and unity with the Father. Then you take his presence, the power, the life, and the truth into the world, and you see harvest, multiplication, and abundance because Christ is in us. Are we all with it so far? Right, now then. How is this going to work out? This white area in the middle is essential to this whole process. All negatives are cancelled in that area. So when we come to the Lord, we bring all the negatives to him. Then we are able to approach the throne of God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith because there's no negatives to undermine our faith. There's no sense of condemnation. There's no sense of uh, things in our lives that will hinder or prevent God from answering prayer. Now, this is essential. This is, this is really what we've got to get hold of. Because, you see, emotionally, what most Christians think is how they behave will influence what God does in response to prayer. That is nonsense. Because, you see, if we come to the Lord through the power of the cross, through the blood, he cancels out all the negatives. So when it actually comes to the time of praying for others, there are no negatives to undermine the prayer. It's only if we have our eyes on ourselves that we think there are issues in our lives that will hinder and prevent God from doing what he does. But if you have that thinking, right, that is earning your answer to prayer. It's not grace. It's not mercy. It's not grace. It's saying only if I am in the place where I ought to be with God. Well, when you get washed with the blood, you are in the place with God where you ought to be. It's what he does by his mercy and grace. So there is absolutely no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Where are you in, in the secret place? You're in Christ Jesus where there is no condemnation. If there's no condemnation, there can't be any negatives to hinder your prayer. 
So you leave all the negatives in that place as you come out of the world, if you like. You know, we're living in the world. We have to live in the world, do we not? But we, we, as we approach, as we come into the time of prayer or worship, we spend just that time we need, doesn't need to be long, getting every negative cancelled. Are you breathing? Okay. So then, the river of life will flow from heaven into and through our lives as we abide with him in the spacious place, in the secret place. Then Jesus says that that river will flow out of your innermost being when you're in the world. But you see, you are receiving in the secret place so that the river then will flow out in the world. Amen? So what's the result of that? You impact the lives of others with the salvation and life of Christ that is ours in the spacious place, the secret place, the heavenly place of his presence. And this is what it's all about. We spend that time we need with the Lord. We receive from him. We take what we receive from him out into the world. In a sense, this is what I'm doing now. What I receive from him in these last days, I'm now taking out to you and to all the others that will listen to this message eventually. So everything that God does in us, in the spacious place, is to bear fruit. But you don't produce the fruit in the spacious place. There you receive revelation, but you've heard me say before, re revelation does not produce fruit. It's what you do with the revelation that produces the fruit. So then you act according to the revelation. You take what you have received from God uh, because all the negatives are cancelled, you can take that life into the world around you. Is that the last? Yes, it is. Praise God. Uh, so now, This is good news. But it requires probably some adjustment to be made in perhaps even our view of prayer and our approach to prayer. We see the value of what we need to do in the secret place. This is the place of fellowship of listening, of receiving. The, the only reason why I spend so much time, I would say about 45 minutes to an hour, listening to the Lord every day, and then the other half an hour is when I review 
uh, during the course of the week when I review what the Lord said on that day and make sure that it's being applied in my life in the way that God intends. So if you put that together, it makes up an hour and a half. But I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you need to spend that time and so on. This is simply what has developed in my life over, over the years. But I'm simply telling you this because I've been living this principle and seeing what God is able to do in the world as a result. And I believe, you see, that God is bringing us to a time now where we're going to see the harvest and the abundance and so on, the multiplication. But in order for that to happen, we are going to have to enter into the miraculous. There is no harvest without the miraculous. There was no harvest for Jesus and his ministry without the miraculous. There was no harvest in the early church without the miraculous. And you can say that we are receiving or, or experiencing a little more of the miraculous. Uh, we're seeing a few more people healed and some major healings happening and so on. But this is small beer compared with what is going to be needed for the harvest. If Jesus couldn't experience harvest without the miraculous, and the early church couldn't, then you can be quite sure we won't be able to either. And I can tell you from my own experience that it's, these two things go hand in hand. When the miraculous is happening, you get the unsaved people saved. Why? Because they actually take notice of what is happening because of the miraculous. Jesus was under no illusions that the big crowds of people were there because they saw people healed. Because they saw miracles. Not just believed that they were happening, but they saw them happening. And, and uh, as you read the Acts of the Apostles, that you see that a number of miracles uh, are actually being seen. They're visible things that are happening that people are able to witness. And that's the place that God is going to take us into. So that when we meet together, visible things will... And this is, this is what will, will speak to people who are not even interested in God. Who care nothing about Jesus, who know nothing about Jesus. It's not that they are converted to the miraculous. They have to be trans, have transformed lives. But it's the miraculous that so often sparks their interest and their need. Because there are so many people out there that need a miracle, that need the sovereign power of God to touch their lives. So... <clears throat> I believe Jesus knew that the key in his ministry to all the miracles and the supernatural activity that was taking place was his fellowship with the Father in the spacious place, in the secret place. 
And I believe this is what he was teaching the disciples. This is what he was wanting to convey to the disciples in, uh, at the Last Supper, preparing them for what would come about when the life of the Spirit was poured out upon them. That this same principle would, would apply. Now, I've put up there hours spent in the secret place. I don't, I don't want you to focus on the amount of time. The time you spend in the spacious place with God will increase according to what the Spirit of God is doing in you. So you don't have to put yourself under any false pressure and think, I've got to spend hours in the spacious place with God. You see, that would be counterproductive to what God is wanting to do because that would put the focus on you instead of on the Lord. But this, of course, is where we really encounter the Lord in his love, in his compassion, in his mercy and grace. And, and this, this is so important because, you see, when we go out into the world, we are taking not only our knowledge of God, but our experience of God. And what, what, we, what we actually do in relation to others comes out of our experience of him not just our head knowledge of him and of what he is able to do. So what we experience of him doing in our lives, we can then experience him doing in the lives of others. This is the life of God that flows into us and through us and then out of us, this river of living water. Now, what I want you to understand is the importance of that white area. That you really do believe what the scriptures say. And that you don't cart a whole lot of negativity and nonsense into the secret place, into the spacious place. That is the place of fellowship with him. It's not the place of intercession. It becomes a place of intercession. But that's not what it is, essentially. You don't go into that place to intercede. You go into that place to have fellowship with your Father. To meet with Jesus. To know the river of the life of the Spirit flowing afresh through your life. To listen to God. To hear God. Write down what he's saying so you don't lose sight of it. You can come back to it. This is the place of fellowship. And you see, Jesus said in the scripture I read just now, you don't go babbling on like pagans in the spacious place. You don't pray long prayers even for those that you want to intercede for, because God knows. You don't have to inform him about situations, but you, you're listening so that you actually are informed how to pray, what to pray. In other words, we pray at all times in the spirit, 
The Spirit holds the initiative. So those things that get left behind in the white area get resolved in the spacious place. Not because you take the problem there, but because God can speak to you and you can hear clearly because you're not cloud, your whole mind and attention is not clouded by those issues. It's not the same today because everybody has these suitcases you can uh, wheel along. But when I started traveling internationally, those such things weren't invented. And when they were invented, they weren't allowed at first on aircraft. So you had the old suitcase that you would carry. And uh, when I would arrive at an airport, I would be greeted by the local people, and they always... Uh, asked if they could carry my suitcase for me. I was very pleased to allow them to do that. Because <laughs> in those days, because air travel was much more expensive, you'd be away for five or six weeks at a time. And uh, so you had to have quite a lot of stuff with you. How long did it take me to cast the burden of my suitcase onto the person? You see, I didn't say, now wait a minute and put the suitcase down on the airport floor and open it and say, look, I want you to be aware of what it is you're carrying. There's this and 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 there's this. This is too deep for some of you, but just pray for that, pray for that revelation. You just hand the whole jolly suitcase over in one go. God knows what is in it. You don't have to tell him what's in it. All he needs to know is that you are entrusting all that is in your suitcase into his hands. And he doesn't look upon the outward appearance, he looks upon the heart. He knows if we're doing that or not. And you see, what happens, what happens in the spacious place is not so much what you say to God about those issues because you've handed them over to him, but what he says to you. That what you find is that he speaks right into your situation and your need without you having to describe all about it. Because he knows that you've handed it over to him, so... I don't know if you can receive this. But can you understand? Once you have handed over something to Jesus, it's his responsibility to deal with it, not yours. It's his responsibility. If he didn't deal with it, he would be failing in his love and responsibility to you. But once you've handed him something over to him, it's his responsibility. Now, the way he deals with it might be to speak to you and to tell you what you've got to do. But that is faith. Faith responds to the initiative of God, but you leave the initiative with him. 
and he is so willing to take the initiative. I must confess, I have problems with prayer meetings where people go on and on and on to God and we start telling God what he ought to be doing when really if we're in the spacious place, God will tell us what we ought to be doing. Even in relation to all the issues that concern us. This is why I believe that, you know, before we intercede, we need to be in the spacious place, like Jesus says, in the secret place where we're having fellowship and unity with him and he can take the initiative. Is this making sense to you? Prayer is not a good work. The only, the only reason to intercede is that you get answers. And, and I mean, if you don't get answers, then what, what's, what's the point of praying? But you see, if, if God holds the initiative, you're going to get answers. Because he is the answer. He is the answer in every situation. So now you can see why when you come here as a student, the, most con- the, the thing I'm most concerned about, we here at Kingdom Faith are most concerned about, is to build up your relationship with God. Because everything you do comes out of your relationship with God. And everything, uh, everything that you do in prayer affects your relationship with God, or your relationship with God really is the product of your prayer life. So the quality of your prayer life will produce the quality of your relationship with God, which will then affect the quality of your ministry to other people. The whole thing has a knock-on effect. So, you know, you come in here and we worship God and you think, well, nothing's happening. My dear friends, you couldn't be doing anything more important. Because relationship is being formed and expressed. And you can't quantify or even qualify what effect that is having, but it builds up over the period of time and establishes you in the relationship that you need to be. You know, people, people say Pastor Clive sometimes refers to this. People ask me, how do you keep on and on after all these years just really seeking after God? I couldn't do anything else. What else could I do with my life? What could be more important? What can be compared with just spending time with Jesus? Spending time with the Father? I mean, it's the greatest privilege that any human being can have. You see, the greatest privilege in your life is not that you're going to go to heaven, but that you have access to the spacious place. 
that you're living in Christ. And as you live in him, oh, let's go back to this. Because uh, I haven't done a backward yet. Yes, as you abide in Christ, in his love, anointed with his authority and power, because that's what's happening in the spacious place. Then you go out into the world and you're equipped in every way for the purpose of God. So you see, Jesus spent that time in the secret place, in the spacious place. And so when people came to him and they needed to be healed, he didn't need a prayer meeting. He didn't even need to pray to the Father. He just said, get up and walk. Why? Because all the unity he needed happened in the spacious place, in the secret place. And I can, all I can say is in a very, very minor way by comparison, very minor way, but that same principle I've seen replicated in my life and ministry. That you can cope with, you can respond to, you can deal with whatever arises if you've spent time with the Lord in the spacious place. So praise God. This just endorses, I think, so much of what God has been saying to us in these recent days. But the most important thing to get grasp as I was speaking last Tuesday at the keynote is really to see who you are in the spacious place. You're not the one with all kinds of fears and doubts and, and, and negativity and sin and failure. All that is left behind where the negatives are cancelled. The reason why so many Christians have an unfulfilled kind of prayer life is they take all that nonsense into, well, they don't actually get into the spacious place because you can't get into the spacious place with all that nonsense. We cast all our sin, all our burdens on the Lord and then we can have fellowship with him, unrestricted, unhindered, nothing to prevent you from hearing from God, receiving from God. He's the great encourager. If you need sorting out, he'll sort you out. But what he does in the spacious place is to build you up. And you see, the conclusion you come to is this. This is what we'll finish with this morning. Whatever goes on in my life in the world has no bearing on the spacious place. Now that is something I found incredibly difficult to believe. To be honest with you. Until God showed me how complete his forgiveness, his acceptance, his mercy and his compassion is. 
that if I think for a moment that my performance can affect what he does, I'm deceived. Because I'm saying what God does depends upon my performance rather than his love, his grace, his mercy, his divine and sovereign will. And you see, the secret place is the place of God's heavenly and holy presence. But the scripture says, we have been sanctified and made perfect forever. Why? Because we have access to that spacious place. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, from all failure, from all doubt, from all unbelief as we cast those things upon him in the white space there. You see, if we went back to Jesus, there's nothing in the white space. He could just come out of the world into fellowship with the Father, back into the world, without any issues having to be resolved. That's why he was our perfect sacrifice on the cross. But for us, there are issues. In revival, most of the issues have been dealt with. That's why there's white space there. But while there are issues, okay, we bring the issues to the Lord. But we don't spend prayer time thinking about the issues. That's our time of fellowship, of unity with God our Father. When you pray, say, Father, you know your Father in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's all stand. Oh, hallelujah. I like that. All negatives cancelled. Can you see? Not will be cancelled. They are cancelled. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the love that sent you to the cross. Thank you that you went there willingly. You gave yourself over to death. Thank you, Lord, that death has been robbed of its sting. Grave no longer has the victory, all because of your blood. Thank you that the power of your blood is so, so powerful that your holiness covers our unholiness. Your righteousness covers our unrighteousness. Your perfection covers all our imperfections. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We bless you that we are a sanctified people, a glorified people according to your word.
Not that we will be, but we are already glorified. We are already sanctified. We're already made holy. We're already made glorious as we stand in that place, in that secret place, in that spacious place, in the place of your heavenly presence where there can be nothing negative. There can be nothing negative in your heavenly presence. It's impossible. And we praise you, Lord. We bless your holy name. That we can come right into that place with sincere hearts that believe your word in full assurance of faith in what you have done, in what you have, what you have made possible for us through the sacrifice that you made for us. And we bless your wonderful and your holy name. And thank you, Lord, that as we meet with you in your holiness and your righteousness, so then we take that holiness and righteousness into the world. And so we don't live as we would otherwise have lived. We don't struggle as otherwise we would have struggled. We don't strain and strive in ways that otherwise we would have strained and striven. We thank you, Lord, that as we meet with you, then we take that positive life out into the world. And we are able to live in the good of that positive life and we're able to impact the lives of others with that positive life. That your holiness, your righteousness, your love, your power, your mercy, your grace can flow out of our lives as rivers of living water to impact the lives of many other people. And we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Master. Listen, God knows when you sin. God knows about your failure. But he knows in the secret place there is no sin and there is no failure because he has dealt with it through his blood. Hallelujah. So that is not your, the negative is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ and Christ in you. As you spend time abiding in Christ, so you will know Christ in you in the world. That's the point. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Come on, let's praise him. Just praise him for the privilege being in that place with him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura la basuturisaria letto santo. Basta calaria letto colotori sandaria letto colotori sandama. Boppa parazato colotori sandaria leno masunturi sandama. Bratta paria letto colotori santo. Pusta calaria letto colotori saria leno masunturi sariama. Prusta calaria letto colotori sandama. Basta calaria letto colotori sandama. I bless you, Lord. I praise you. Thank you, Lord. You're leading us in victory, that you always lead us in your triumphant procession. 
Thank you, Lord. That means we overcome all the negatives. You overcome all the negatives in us and through us. And we praise you, we bless you, we exalt you. Lord, we don't want our relationship with you to be defined by concentrating on praying for this, that, and the other. But Lord, out of our unity in love with you, that we abide in you, we live in you, we live in your love, we abide in your love. We just fellowship with you in your love. That we just spend that time yielding ourselves to you so that you speak into our lives. You, we just give you the time to do that, Lord. And thank you that you're a God who's never silent. Hallelujah. But you want us to hear your voice. Thank you that you speak to us every day through your word and by your spirit. That your sheep hear your voice. They know your voice and they follow you. So thank you, Lord, we're not asking you to follow us. But we're following you. Thank you, Lord, that as we have fellowship with you, so you have the initiative in our lives. You retain the initiative. And that our faith is trusting you to see the outworking of your will and of your purpose in our lives. So we bless you, Lord. Now I just pray for all my dear brothers and sisters here, Lord, that, that each one of us will apply these truths in whatever way is appropriate in our hearts and lives now so that the quality of our, of our prayer, of our worship, of our relationship with you is, is heightened, is intensified. Lord, we don't want to spend hours in prayer thinking about ourselves, thinking about our problems. We don't want to go babbling on like the pagans, as you put it. But Lord, thank you that when you speak and when you make things clear to us, we only need a few words. And we praise you, we bless you. Cora tacalaria situ gala santum. Basta galaria letto gola zotris sandalia lenum. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Cora tacalar situ palantum. You see, beloved, I'm not putting you under any pressure to spend more hours in prayer. Really, that is not my intention. But what I'm saying is that in revival, you spend more hours in prayer, which is why you see so much more happening. Why you see the multitudes coming. Why you see the miracles and you see the signs and the wonders. You see transformed lives far more. There's a 
correlation between those two things. But it has to be God that works that revival in us. Amen. That reviving in our hearts. There's an old chorus, let's forget about ourselves and concentrate on him. <laughs> Those kind of little choruses come out of moves of God. Where it's just like that, people forget about themselves. They're just so focused on him. then we can impact the lives of others much more effectively. Oh, what a God. What a God. What love, what mercy, what grace. It's all him, isn't it? It really is. It's all him. It's 100% him. really is. It's not a cooperation between you and him. No, no, no. It's all him. It's Christ in you. It's the kingdom within you. It's the spirit within you. He's the one that produces the fruit. He's the one that does the stuff. He's the one that produces the fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your word is that as the Father sent you, so you send us. I thank you that you send us out into the world in the same way that the Father sent you. But I thank you that he sent you out of fellowship with him, out of unity with him, out of that spacious place. And you send us out into the world in the same way that we take that unity that we have with you. We take that fellowship. We take that fullness of life. We take all that we have in the spacious place. You send us out into the world in the same way that the Father sent you. And thank you, Lord, that we will do the same works as you have done and greater things still because you have returned to the Father and your spirit is poured out. That as we are sent in the same way, we will do the same things. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Sutta pararia letto gorazotta di santoma. Basta calaria letto gorazotta di santoma. Now, Lord, I pray that you bring us to that place of the assurance of faith that we will see the same things and that they won't be difficult. They won't be, you know, over a long period of time. We will see amazing miracles, instantaneous miracles. We will see all kinds of supernatural activity because you send us in the same way that the Father sent you. And we bless you, we praise you, we exalt you. 
we glorify your name. Popaparazatu papaparazitu di santuma. Corare eletto corazotto di santo per corazondama. Hallelujah. Come on, we just need to praise the Lord. We just need to praise the Lord. Oh, Father, 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 Father. Oh, Father, 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 Father. Father, 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 Father. Pura la basotto di saria letto colosotto di sandoma. Brandaria letto colosotto di sandaria leno masundoma. Brosta calaria letto colosotto di sandoma. Brotto calaria letto colosotto di sandoma. Popa papara sandaria letto colosotto pa. Now I'm just, we're just going to finish with a word of encouragement. You know, one of the things that the Lord says to me, it encourages me. He knows that sometimes he has to deal with issues in my life. They have no bearing upon my place in the spacious place, as you will understand by now. But still those are issues that need to be dealt with so that the life I have in the spacious place can be more effectively reproduced in the world. So there's those issues, you know, yes, God will deal with them. But he encourages me by knowing that he will always bring me to the place where those issues are resolved. That in his sovereign <clears throat> oversight of my life, he will do that. He knows that he will bring me through to that place of obedience, of surrender, of whatever it is that's needed in that particular situation. And I believe he's saying the same to you. Yeah, there are issues. There may be issues that God is dealing with you right now. But that still does not affect your place in the spacious place. See, that God does not have to wait until all those issues are resolved before he can use you before the life that he, you receive in the spacious place can be effectively pouring out of your life into the lives of others around you. So God deals with the issues in our lives so we become more and more like Christ because he knows then we can be more effective in the world. But that he does not wait until... All those issues are resolved until we come to the place of actually living in perfection before he uses us. You know, it used to cause me great concern some years ago when there were some well-known men of God usually in other nations, not this nation, who were used mightily and effectively by God. I mean, the fruit out of their ministries was immense. 
And yet there was immorality going on in their lives. And, you know, in time, if that immorality was not confessed and dealt with, then it became exposed. And that's always detrimental to the cause of the kingdom when that kind of thing happens. But people would question, and I would question myself, how is it that God could use those people, and some of them were seeing hundreds and thousands of people saved and so on, while all this other stuff was going on in their lives. And then God explained to me, you see, that for the benefit of all those that were receiving his life and his love, he could still use those people despite the issues that needed to be resolved in their lives. That what he could do through them was not dependent upon them, but dependent upon the anointing that was upon them. So they could still use the anointing even though there was this immorality going on. Why? Because what God does did not depend upon their performance, but upon his anointing, his power, his will, his purpose. But at the same time, he wanted to deal with those issues out of his love for the people concerned. And if there was resistance to that, then the sins became exposed. Why? Because God's concern was for the individual that he was using. But this is a difficult thing, I think, for us to grasp. That the way God uses us does not depend upon us. It depends upon Christ in us. depends upon the anointing of the Spirit within us. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you, we praise you, that out of your love for us, you want to deal with us, you want to refine us, you want to transform us into your likeness with ever-increasing glory. And thank you, Lord, that all that stuff is going on all the time. But thank you, Lord, while that is happening, we have access to the spacious place, to the secret place, to the heavenly place of your presence. And thank you, Lord, that your life will flow out of us as rivers of living water, even while you're dealing with the issues in our lives. You don't want us to become so obsessed with ourselves that we think you can't use us because of all the imperfections in our lives. Lord, it's not dependent upon our imperfections or our perfections. It's all dependent upon you, who you are, what you are able to do through. So, Lord, I thank you that you taught Paul that your power was made perfect in his weakness. And Lord, I can identify with that. I often feel so weak in myself, so useless in myself. But that does not affect you, Lord. You work by your divine power, despite my weakness, despite the weakness of any of us, despite the failure, even despite the sin. 
you still use us for your glory. You still work through us for your praise and honor. So we thank you that in your love, you will continue that refining work. But thank you, Lord. Even while that's going on, we will bear much fruit for your glory. As we rely upon you, we depend upon you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Bless your holy name. Praise your holy name. Am I listening to a praising people here? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke of oppression over our own lives, over the lives of others. Thank you, Lord. We're going to see, we're going to see you smashing the enemy, crushing the enemy, trampling the enemy beneath our feet as we rise up in faith. Hallelujah. In the faith of, of what you have done, in the faith of who we are in Christ Jesus, in the faith of, of how you can work in us and through us for your divine glory, despite all our weaknesses and failures. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, have a good life. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 